Well, it is Christmas, and that video that you just watched showed the story of Christmas, of Jesus coming as a baby, and it also had four names, actually four titles for Jesus, who Jesus would be and what the roles that he would have. And so I'm really excited to talk about that for a few minutes. We've got, as I mentioned before, we've got kids in the house, so they may be squirming and they may make noise. Parents don't feel bad about it. Four of the kids in here are mine, so <laughs> they, uh, I might be responsible for some of that. But we do that on purpose. We just include the kids for a special service like this. I'm glad that they're here. And actually, I think you got some activity packs and plenty of uh, cookies to get along with it. So once again, uh, my name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor of Valley Lights. And if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I would love to after our service. And I've got a gift for you. I would say it's a Christmas gift, but we actually do it every Sunday. It's, it's a mug. It's a thank you for joining us. And so I can give you that. And uh, also that Christmas offering that Marie just mentioned, I'm really excited about giving to those four different things. Um, all the money given to that Christmas offering goes totally to those ministries. There's no percentages taken out. And already, um, even, it's not even Christmas, and we've already had over $1,400 given to that. And so that, can, that's, that fund is open throughout the whole year, even into the first uh, week or so of January. And so if you'd like to give to that, you can, you can pray about that. But this, uh, through December, we've been doing a series of messages on those four titles of who Jesus is. And tonight, we're going to talk about the Prince of Peace. And I'm actually not going to talk about it too long, just because we've got the whole family in here. This will be a brief message, and uh, I actually have a few video clips to show as well to kind of bring the points to life. But um, the four titles for Jesus that you saw on that screen and maybe you've heard about come from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called... And there's these four amazing titles. In fact, we spent one week, one Sunday every week in December, looking at the meaning of these four titles. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So tonight we're wrapping up this series, this Christmas series, looking at the Prince of Peace. And peace sounds really good this time of year, I'd say. I mean, you'd hope for a peaceful Christmas Eve, you know, a peaceful Christmas day. Um, one place that tends to not be peaceful this time of year is this place. <laughs> any, any parking lot. <laughs> when you're going shopping or going to get some last-minute groceries, I went into the grocery store today. Whole Foods is the closest to my house. And um, it was packed, totally packed. And we actually went to look for something, and they were sold out of the thing we were looking for. And so it can be a little stressful getting around when things are busy for Christmas. Um, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes tensions can run high. Everyone's in a hurry. People are trying to get in the best spot possible. Um, a lot of things, though, this time of year, I think a lot of things threaten our peace, our sense of peace, because it is a busy time. Um, around Christmas time throughout the year, let, so let me ask you a question to consider for tonight. Where in your life do you need peace? Is there anything in your life that feels unsettled? Or is there some part of your life that feels incomplete? or there's either a fracture or a strain of some kind. And, and whether you've uh, been walking with Jesus for most of your life or you're new to that or exploring that, I think all of us have parts of our life that there feels like there's some unrest at times. So there, there may be things that feel unresolved, not whole. You could be lacking peace in a relationship, maybe with a spouse or maybe your boss or some leader over your life. You could be lacking peace maybe inside of yourself with your emotions and you're feeling 
you're really yanked around by, by how you feel. You may feel keenly this, the lack of peace in our world, or you might even feel like there's not peace between you and God right now. And this idea of, of needing peace, is, it's, a, it's a prominent topic this time of year. We actually did a wreath-making event for ladies at the beginning of December. And uh, we had a whole, many women, actually this was a great event. We had lots and lots of people come to our church that um, had never been to our church before. And actually some people that don't even go to church, many, many of the people who came don't even go to church. And there was a brief portion of this wreath-making event where we discussed the idea of peace. And I think it struck a chord because around these discussion tables, people were sharing about things going on in their life and some tensions. And we had a, a spot for prayer requests during this event. And many of the women filled out prayer requests asking for God to help bring peace in their family life or with their grown children or um, with health problems. And so uh, this, this idea, most people feel, want to feel peace. We tend to maybe feel peace when things are going well. You know, if my family's happy, if I'm healthy, the money's coming in, there are presents under the tree, and no one's mad at me at the moment, then I feel peace. You can feel peace in that situation. It's kind of like, I think a lot of times we approach peace like a, like a snow globe, where, you know, it's picture perfect. I'm like insulated. Everything in there is just perfect. The, the snow is just shimmering and perfect little glistening, you know, falling fragments. And, you know, it's just, it's great in there, and there's nobody can interrupt the course of my life. But what happens if circumstances change in any of those things? My family, my money, or my emotions, or how I feel. And what if, this, what if the snow globe breaks? <laughs> Can you have peace in your life when things are broken? Can you have peace when things are not working right? Or you're feeling the lack or the strain? The truth is a peace that's dependent upon circumstances is unreliable. If you're looking for peace based on how things are going in your life, that's a really unreliable source of peace. Circumstances change, bad things happen. Some things, there's plenty of things that are just out of your control. I mean, you may be going to a family gathering and there may be things that happen there that are just out of your control and you'd like to change the way that goes. We can't manufacture peaceful conditions. You can't make it. All human attempts at finding peace are temporary and incomplete. Maybe in the short term, you know, our approach, our, our attempts at peace are okay, but for lasting wholeness in life, we need a peace that's outside of our circumstances. And that's really why the arrival of Jesus on earth was such good news for all of us. The angels broke through the sky, singing in a huge multitude. Here's what it says in Luke, the part of the story where the angels were singing. It says, they, all the angels were singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. This was really, really good news. That little baby laying in the manger, that was the birth of a very new kind of peace for humans. He would be the prince of peace. The kind of peace that Jesus brings is totally different than the picture-perfect snow globe peace that we all want or we try to create. And so the Bible, when it talks about peace and it shows us how to find peace, we gotta look a little, sometimes you gotta, you gotta look at how the words are really defined. The Bible is written originally not in English, half of it's written in Hebrew, other half is written in Greek. And so the word peace, you find it in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And the New Testament word for peace is erene. 
I think it's with a ruled R. So, Irene. And um, this, the idea, the biblical idea of peace, especially shalom, it means completeness, wholeness, wellness. Not just, if, if I were to ask you, hey, what's peace and then what's the opposite of peace? You'd say maybe war or conflict. So, you know, that's true in English, but actually in the Bible, peace is so much more than just not war and not conflict. There's this wholeness, things are well in my life. I have this sense of well-being and, and all, maybe things, circumstances are not necessarily great, but I'm doing great and I'm whole because of what God has given me. So shalom, my life is complete and I feel a sense of well-being. Irene is to be at peace, to live in peace, to be free from worry. And so the, the kind of peace in the Bible is not dependent on circumstances. It's really different than the English word. And the peace that God offers, it's, 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 true peace really requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness. True peace, when we find that, it's the broken things in our life are brought to wholeness. And actually, true peace between people, if you experience real true peace with people, it doesn't involve just we stop fighting now, but it, now it means we have active goodwill and there's mutual benefiting happening. So that's really the rich concept that we find of peace in the Bible. And to understand it a little bit more, I'm gonna give you a visual. There's, there's another video, and it's a fast-paced animated video from the Bible Project, but it gives a lot of references to peace in the Bible. And you might not catch all the Bible references, but just glean what you can. This will maybe fill out your understanding of this word of peace. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations, and when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. 
This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work, because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. So you probably didn't think you're going to do like a biblical languages lesson on Christmas Eve. <laughs> um, I think you know there was a lot in that video, uh, a lot to, to capture. You probably didn't grab all the first time through, but to circle back to the question I asked earlier, with all that in mind, this idea of man bringing my life into wholeness. Is there anything in your life where you need peace? Is there anything in your life where it feels unsettled? It feels broken. It feels like it's not working. It's not going great. It's good to identify that. It's good to think about that and to recognize that that's part of the reason why Jesus came. And you may be lacking wholeness or peace in some aspect of your life. And actually, if you're anything like me, if there is anything that's not working great, it feels like a huge, complex problem. When things are, are, are broken and frustrated, I just, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what to do about this. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by what seem to be huge problems can feel overwhelming. But the good news is that the Bible is very full, very rich with instructions on how to handle even the most complicated of problems. That word, irene, uh, peace in the, in the New Testament, there's actually dozens and dozens and dozens of references to the Greek word for peace. And in the Old Testament, there's actually hundreds of references to shalom. And even just one single verse, if you were to study it, could unlock peace in your life bring completeness. Just one verse could do that. At Christmas, we celebrate the arrival of the Prince of Peace. This is a big celebration for us. And so there's some categories here just to kind of think about what we can do. If we find peace today, and this is actually on the back of your handout, I'll, here's, some, here's some, maybe some ways you could respond tonight. Or even just think about this week, tomorrow, or this week of Christmas time. Um, maybe there's one aspect of peace is we need peace with God, and maybe that's where you're at right now. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God only comes to those who make Jesus Christ their Lord. You can invite Jesus to be your Savior and the Lord, the boss of your life. You do that by admitting, Man, I'm, I'm a sinner and I need help. I actually need to be saved from my sins. Also, you say, Man, I believe that Jesus died and lived. He lived a perfect life first, then he died on the cross for my sins and rose again. 
And then I say, I commit my life to following him. He's my Lord now. He's my, he's my ruling king and commander. He's the boss. And if you, if you make those confessions, that's, those are the steps toward becoming a true follower, a Christian. Maybe you've done that, maybe, maybe, but maybe there's other storms in your life. Maybe you need peace from some of the storms within. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. This is actually, when I had mentioned just one verse could unlock peace, this is actually a pretty powerful one. Look at what Isaiah says. You will keep, referring to God, God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. That phrase, perfect peace, it's actually, um, it's like shalom, shalom. They double it up to make it sound like super peace. <laughs> it's like exponential peace. So the English translates it as perfect peace. But just, it's this intense wholeness, like just completeness that you can't find anywhere else that comes when our minds are steadfast on God and trusting in Him. We can find peace for the, the crazy storms in our life when we trust Him. There's such great stability. He's the rock. There's stability when we trust in Him. So a question you can ask yourself is, what in my life do I need to entrust Him with right now? Also, we can find peace when we give our worries to God. In the New Testament, it talks about this as well. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then here it is, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of the things you could do if there are storms within, in keeping with this verse, is make a prayer list. List out the things. It says, with all the situations in your life where you got prayer and petition and thanksgiving, just present the requests. Like make a bullet list of the things that you're really concerned about. Actually, just write them out. I've done this before. I just write them out and I put them on paper and I see them and I'm like, all right, God, I'm giving these things to you and I'm asking for your help in these areas. There's a tremendous peace that comes from that. And then last, maybe you need peace in relationships. Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It says make every effort because it actually takes a lot of work to keep your peace with people. It's a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of guidance and a lot of help from God about how to do that. It's very complicated, complex. Relationships are complex, but God has provided a very big Bible for us to learn from. And figuring out how to successfully navigate peace in all of your relationships, it could be a long road. I would love to invite you to consider investing yourself at Valley Lights Church, or if you're not local, at a church near you. Um, many have said that joining the community here has been a refreshing and life-changing experience. God's provided the church partly as a resource to help us understand how to live, how to grow, how to apply the Bible. And we need the teaching from God's Word and the support and the guidance from God's people to begin moving in a healthier, stronger direction. So when it comes to peace in relationships, another step you might take, maybe, maybe, maybe the most practical thing for you to do in response to this whole message is to take a step of reconciliation towards someone in your life during this Christmas season. Maybe you're the one that needs to take the first step. What a gift that would be to take a step of reconciliation. There's a great movie, a Christmas movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Has anybody watched that this season yet? Anybody watched The Instant Wonderful Life? Or have you ever seen it before? It's a classic. It's a in fact, it's so classic, it's black and white. 
I'm going to show you a clip from this video, from this movie, and uh, it's actually at the end of the movie. George Bailey's main character, his life was a wreck. He was angry. He was discouraged. He was mad at people. His finances were a mess. Their whole family finances were a complete mess. He was very in debt. He even yelled at his cute little daughter. She ran, she ran away crying. That's, I mean, this, this man, you're like, what, what kind of guy is this? He even contemplated jumping off a bridge to end it all. That's how much of a mess his life was. It was a big mess. And his life was anything but peaceful. Circumstances in life couldn't get worse. It's like the snow globe had totally broken. Circumstances were, were at the bottom. But he experienced a change in the movie, and then he saw the world differently, and he found peace with his wife and his kids and even with all his friends around town. And that's the part where I want to show you. So check this out. That's the one he yelled at. I showed a clip of that. You, if you've never seen it before, maybe you don't know all the references, but you can get the feeling of him finding peace again, like coming back together, kind of leaving this crazy distress and the discouragement and the depression and then being reunited and finding wholeness with the people in his life is, is pretty powerful. I think it's what makes the movie so enjoyable and why it's lasted a very long time. In the movie, the guy who ripped the paper up, you know, it's, it's debts were being canceled, grudges were being dropped resources were being provided miraculously. In this movie, it doesn't have any Bible verses <laughs> in it. It doesn't explain how George became a Christ follower. 
But it does stir a longing, <clears throat> a longing for peace in all of us. It stirs a longing for, man, I want peace at home like that. I want peace with my kids. I want peace with people. I want, actually, I just want peace inside myself. It gives a sense and a feeling of what things could be like if our lives are ruled by the Prince of Peace. If things are messy in your life, there is hope and there's comfort. You can have peace regardless of the chaos and the circumstances. Even if things don't improve, you can have peace. You can have shalom, rene, peace. If you've already decided to be a Christ follower, then you already have peace with God. You're learning peace with others. And if so, praise God. Celebrate Christmas because of it. Fill your home with the songs of the season. The rich traditional songs are so packed with meaning. And also, here's another idea for you. You received a bunch of stars when you walked in. So those, you know, kind of shimmery stars. I think everybody got about three of those. This is just an idea you might consider doing tonight or tomorrow this week. But the star, you know, is a big part of the Christmas story. It led the wise men to Jesus. It was a source of bright light pointing people to the hope and the peace that arrived on earth. So one of the ways that maybe you and your people that you live with, you can spend time to recognize God and keep Jesus at the focus for the season. Sometime tonight or the next few days, jot down some things, grab a Sharpie or a pen and, and write some things that you're grateful for on the star. You have a bunch of different things, a bunch of different stars. Write some things that God has provided for you during this time. And if you have kids, you can do this as a family. Um, actually, we, so this is something that we do during the season. Around Thanksgiving, we may do it on leaves. <laughs> during Christmas, we'll do it on stars. So we have a bunch of stars on our house already. Um, but, you know, for us, expressing gratitude and just like singling out specific things that God has done for us, it's a really amazing way to push back the darkness and the unrest in our lives. So the past four Sundays, we've looked at the four titles from Isaiah chapter 9, looking at Jesus, who he is and who he'd become. And so we're going to wrap up this series with a vi one more video that captures some of the rich implications for the character in the nature of Jesus. What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, brought from the infant earth, one rose the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man. And as heaven waited short with breath, the creator spoke yet another, Eve, mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nation, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, as the universe gasped into being, flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void, to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves, 
When we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting Father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor. God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. He who took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul renowned? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God, with us? Yahweh, the great Jesus was the light of the world. And I love a video like that that just totally proclaims who he is, his character and his nature, his intricate involvement in our lives. God sent Jesus to bring light into the darkness. And so we get to do a candlelight song together. And the spread of light from one candle to another represents the spread of peace that Jesus brings. Actually, the spread of peace from one person. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus, and I love the way that you unite us, Lord, and you bring people together, and we've, we've come together tonight to really focus our minds and our hearts on you in gratitude. I pray for those that are lacking peace in some area of their life, that you would illuminate the path. Thank you for the light, Jesus bringing light to us and allowing that to transmit from one person to another as we share the good news about Christ, and uh, actually you create peace from one person to another as well. And so we're grateful for that. Pray that our minds and our hearts will be focused on you throughout Christmas Day, tomorrow, and this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing one more song together. And I want to actually show you one more verse from the Bible as well. Second Thessalonians uh, 3.16 is one of those references to peace. And it says, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace 
always in every way. That's a, a prayer I pray for you tonight, and uh, may God give that to us.